0: Hey, this is Jaron. You're listening to the Dangers of Christian Rock or something like that podcast. This is Colton. Uh, we're happy to bring you another episode and it starts right now. All right, so welcome back to another episode of the Dangers of Christian Rock or something like that. We've got a really special special episode today uh, with a guest which is awesome this is our second guest in a row Um, last week we had my buddy matt on this week we have a guy who's like way more qualified to talk about this exact topic than both me and jaren uh by the way jaren is out again this week but uh, i'm kind of covering this so we have joel hang Hartsey. he is a professor at Simon Fraser University. Are, are you a lecturer or a professor? I know some. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. Commonwealth they, they gets quickly me, about yeah. that.
1: <laughs> they call me. <laughs> they call me professor. Technically, I'm a lecturer. There's there's some uh, okay. There's some issues about how, my workload that we don't need to get into.
0: So, I got you. I got you. So, well, he's a professor up there. Um, but before he was a professor, and I I got to read his book. The Book is called Sects. So that's sex S E C T S. So don't freak out and quit the podcast before we even get started. Uh sex uh what was it? Sex, drugs and rock and roll. No, love, am I love Am I remember Love and no Rock drugs, and Roll. No why drugs. did I why did I wanna say drugs? Oh man, I, I you can know, tell man, I, I like grew it. up Baptist. Uh, yeah so sex love and rock and roll uh it's kind of a it felt like a very autobiographical while at the same time a social history and he brings some really cool perspective and thank you for coming on joel i really appreciate it man
1: you're welcome i'm happy to be here and thanks for reading my book i you're i think you're one of about uh mm, somewhere in the low hundreds who have who have read it so that's (laughs) that's exciting
0: oh cool man well you know, as I mentioned before we got on, you know, we one of the things we jokingly ask folks when they come on here is what makes you qualified to talk about Christian rock? And it, it's just because most of us are pretty unqualified. I think you're kind of qualified. So tell tell our listeners what makes you qualified. Why should they keep listening? I might
1: I might be. I mean, there's probably there there's a few people out there who I think legit have done like sure degrees in it. But um yeah, I. I, like many of us, I guess, like I grew up in very much in sort of an evangelical church church culture. I grew up in ki- kind of a mega church in a, a town called Spokane, Washington. Um, it's was one of the biggest kind of evangelical churches there. And and very much through like youth group and, and um, those type of things, I just got introduced to, to Christian rock. And so I was, I was definitely like, a, if there's such a thing as a Christian rock scene stir, like as a kid, as a teenager, I was very much that. I would go to... All the church shows church basement shows like um i shopped at the christian bookstore for music like um that was i was ensconced in it um to the point where like when i got went to college i started um i started writing about the music professionally i was i just was like i you know i really like this i wanted to be a writer and i this was the music i knew the most about so um i started writing for like um a couple of different magazines um, and yeah, it just kind of grew from there. So I think the very first paycheck I ever got was for Paste Magazine, um, which oh, that's I think still I think it's still around. Yeah, um,
0: it is still around. Yeah, it was actually yeah. a
1: magazine at that time, like a paper magazine. Oh sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And they mailed me. They mailed me. This is how old I am. They mailed me a paper check <laughs> to, for like twenty dollars. <laughs> um, but Paste at that time was kind of on the fence between like it was pretty clearly run by people who were mostly kind of from the Christian culture. Um, at that time and then uh, gradually it kind of transitioned into just being a legit or I shouldn't say you know just a more mainstream kind of music publication but so I started there and then yeah it just grew and I, I tried to write for kind of more um, like mainstream or secular outlets but I always wrote about Christian rock because that's what I that's what I knew the best so I wrote for weekly newspapers in Seattle where I was living I wrote for a couple other magazines then I, I got into Christianity Today which I've that's probably the outlet I've been writing for the longest so I guess if you wanted to say why am I qualified, like, I'm kind of like the de facto, like, music critic for Christianity Today, because they kind of cut a lot of their music <laughs> um, coverage. Okay. So, yeah. So I think that's, that's like, that's a pretty big bona fide, I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, and I, I think also it was kind of, I, I'll be dead honest with you. I tried to look for your band's music online and I couldn't oh, find no. it. Because oh, um, so <laughs> if y'all read Joel's book, he was in a couple of bands, like two or three bands. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and y'all got some in,
1: EPs. In, in Seattle, yeah. we made a few, a few little records. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I, I tried to find them cause I was just curious and I mean, <laughs> i'm all i'm good with obscure music so i i was kind of i'll send you, I'll send, it, you some, the,
1: I'll send you the, some of the better uh songs how about that but okay i I, okay, I, cool. I guess in that in that case i i can have another claim to fame then so what would be the closest i ever got to christian rock within playing it um jesse sprinkle the drummer from poor old blue and like a bunch of other oh, yeah. christian bands like demon hunter right, who, right. what christian band does he not play drums in he borrowed my drum yeah, right, one time at definitely. a gig yeah, he borrowed my drums once. <laughs> that's cool, man. So
0: that's that's pretty oh, there great. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, we actually covered. Uh, it hasn't released until Monday, because um, I'm still editing it. Um, but we're we're releasing Dead Poetic, and he was on their last album. That's right. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty dope. Um, awesome. awesome. Well, the band, and I didn't even mention this earlier, the band that we have Joel on that we're talking about today is one that especially. If you're kind of like me, you're an elder millennial, you know, grew up in the early aughts, you may not have listened to this band um, because the lyrics were a little edgy, I guess, for for some folks, where it was really talking about uh, challenges with faith and that just wasn't okay. And the band we're talking about is Pedro the Lion. Um, this is a band I really didn't get into, to be quite honest, until I graduated high school. Um, I I think the first I heard of them, I think Dave Bazon, the the lead singer, you know, I, I think he's the only guy who's been in the band the whole way through. Is that right? Okay. Okay. I I think he was name dropped in a book by Mark Driscoll that I read. And I was like, okay, well, let's look at this guy, see what's going on. And I was enraptured by it. Uh, It was, and I was not an indie kid in high school, so it probably wouldn't have appealed to me then. But especially in college, I hit my, my kind of indie phase. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, I had a, a big cigar roast phase. And so, you know, looking at things like Pedro, this was a good fit. And so like, what, what was your experience with Pedro? You know, what's
1: funny. Yeah. Even though we are like about 10 years apart, uh, it was almost identical. Um, It was, Hitter the Line was one of the first bands that I got into in college, um, like probably my very first year of college, which was like 1999, 2000. So we had like, this is embarrassing to to talk about, but like it was the, having a computer was kind of new for everybody. Um, And so we had this campus network where you could like share folders. It was like, for the first time you could like see, Hey, what is, what does that guy have on his computer? What do I and so somebody had shared, um, it's hard to find a friend, which is the first um, Pedro record. And I don't, it was one of those bands, like, you know how there's some bands they just come into your life. You don't have to try to love them. You just mm-hmm. you just become right. a fan just, just by osmosis, just immediately, just, just there. Absolutely. So I don't ever remember consciously being like, huh, I've heard there's a cool band called Pedro the Lion. I should check them out. It was just like, almost from the instant you hear it, you're just like, oh yeah, this, like this is, this is both musically, lyrically, whatever, like this is, right. this is hitting me. So, and, and that probably coincided with the time, um, he, like they were playing quite a bit like in Seattle. So we would go see them a lot. Like, um, okay. whether, yeah, whether they were headlining shows or like, um, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many times we saw them. like okay. probably open, like opening for death cab for cutie or like, um. It was such a good time to live in Seattle, man. It was great. Absolutely. <laughs> um,
0: uh,
1: or like, yeah, solo shows. Like he would, he would do, there was this band called Seldom, um, which now, if you think about who was in it. So it was Yuki Matthews, who is now in The Shins and um, played with uh, Sufian okay. Stevens for a long time. And then Casey, I don't know how you say his name, Fu Bear, who, um, who's now in Fleet Foxes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! And uh, one other guy who I forget, but like they were kind of like proteges of Bazan at the time, um, so they wow. would do shows together. It was it was it's cool, man, to to see where that scene has come. So yeah, it just was like a man. thing. And being in that scene, so you mentioned Mark Driscoll. I mean, perhaps uh, from my perspective, the less said about that fellow, the better. Uh, but um, I, I, <laughs> that was I all I was going to mention. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a lot of people who went to that church, and for a time. I was like, maybe I should check that church out. And the reason, and there's been a lot said about this, but I think the reason that that church was so appealing was that that was where all the cool musicians went. That was where right. all the all the indie rockers went. That was where, um, like, so if you, like, my friends who went to Mars Hill, it was like, oh, we're hanging out with Bazan, we're hanging out with Jeremy Enoch from Sunday Day Real Estate, <laughs> you know, we're hanging out with um, um, Jeff Suffering, you know, from 90 Pound Wuss and all this. and um, it was just like a really, really, all the coolest people were there. Um, but that was another place where we would, uh, Pedro the Lion would play a lot, was this venue called the Paradox Theater that they ran, uh, right. which was right. an awesome venue in the university district near near the University of Washington. It was just a little, they had their church meetings there, but it was just a kind of a crappy little theater, but just they put on amazing shows. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I definitely have a lot of memories, probably my strongest memory of seeing Pedro the Lion play in terms of connection, was I was at the Crocodile Cafe, which is a big venue. Um, it was owned at the time by uh, Peter Buck from REM and his wife, and then I think they sold it eventually. But um, they, I saw we saw Pedro play. The, I forget who they're playing with. We saw Pedro play there, and he's playing that song "Secret of the Easy Yoke," which is like such a huge song for for. Like people going through stuff in college, right? It's just like I adore that song. I adore that song. (laughs) It's just a gut wrenching song, man. So if I don't know if you play snippets on here or whatever, but if people haven't heard it, it's basically just a song about like (laughs) just a song about like I don't like I don't really get this. Like I don't really understand who Jesus is. Like I I know that I believe in him, but like I'm not, and I don't know. Going to church doesn't seem to do anything for me, and
0: it's true they did not move me. My heart was hard and tired. Their perfect fire annoyed me. I could not find Still have never seen you and some days I don't love
1: you it's just like it's it so speaks to somebody at that age and it, you can tell it's so it's coming from such a raw honest place for him and i think i read he did have you ever read that series uh vice magazine asks the band to like rank their favorite albums of their own
0: no i so they did. ranked
1: them- They'll go to an artist and they'll be like, "Rank your records from sort of worst to best, basically." Um, you know
0: what? I th- I think I read the one on the Wonder Years because they disavowed like their their uh, first record and they're like, "That's not us. That's not us. We're not counting that." <laughs> What's
1: funny is, right? You would sometimes you think that, but it's interesting how often. And indeed, with with Bazan, he was like, "Listen, I know I'm very I'm in a very different place from when I made. It's hard to find a friend, sure. but that is my best record. Like that is my most honest like." Uh, and I think that's sure. what was so appealing about it. It's very, um, the lyrics are very relatable. And just like the music is very, it's just, it's an easy gate. It's just like the door is open for you. It's, it's simple. It's beautiful. Like, yeah. So, right. Right. That's dude. Yeah, that like, it for I'm, me. I'm so
0: 19 year old. Me is really envious of you. Cause I grew up on the dusty plains of Eastern New Mexico and we were, we we're a pass through state. And so we didn't get yeah. Concerts. I mean, we so I do remember, you know, you mentioned going to the church basement type of things they had, uh, which this was kind of a big deal. They had Jeremy camp once in our hometown, uh, which that he is the greatest uh, bait and switch for teenage music listeners ever (laughs) which we'll probably do an episode on that um and then you know i think we had some small time christian band from new zealand come and play a show at our church but i mean aside from that it was like local Christian quote unquote bands playing around. And so if we really wanted something, we had to go up to Albuquerque or We had to go to like Dallas, um, which I mean, we went to Dallas all the time for stuff for mission trips and whatnot. And so we got to do that, but um, yeah, I'm super envious because you're like name dropping all these really cool old tooth and nail bands. And I'm like, I just got to listen to them on the radio. You got to see them.
1: (laughs) It is. It is amazing when I think about it. I mean, I was reminiscing about it with a friend of mine who lived there, lived in Seattle at the time too. And it was, i it's it's almost like i almost can't believe how it was a dream come true for like a christian indie rock fan like you would like we just joke about it like my friend would like uh, somebody would come visit from out of town and they'd be going to the cafe and it's like hey bazan's there hey what's up (laughs) bazan or like you'd be walking down the street downtown at night it's like hey there's aaron sprinkle you know you'd go to a show um You'd go to a show. I went to a show. One of my friends' bands was playing at the Sunset Taverns place in, in Seattle. I was like, oh, Damien Gerardo's sitting next to me. Like, it was it was crazy. Like, it really it <laughs> really nice. was. It, it was it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to put into words how normal that felt at the time, but also how just right. freaking cool it was if you were a fan. <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely well just the concentration there like because i mean you know in any city you can accidentally meet someone who's well known but just the concentration of a certain group i mean that that's just wild but um yeah. cool well let's let's get into it's um hard to find a friend you know that that was um like you said i think i would agree you know that's kind of their magnum opus that's the one that when people really want to listen to them that's the one I tell them, we'll start with this just because it's their first, but also because it's really their best. Um, it, it really, you know, and I think you mentioned at his most honest, I, I really can see that. And like, what what are the things that, you know, when you think it's hard to find a friend, what are the things that stick out to you? Maybe the tracks, maybe the themes that um, you really enjoy about that album.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, like I said, the, there's something about the instrumentation that's just the way it's recorded. I can't remember who produced it. I think he either, he did it himself or no, I think somebody else did, but, um, it's, it's very warm. Like the feeling of it is just very mm-hmm. comfortable, right? When right. it starts that first track. Um, I also think Jonathan Ford's bass playing on that album is really amazing. So he's, uh, I mean, yes. he's been in a lot of bands, right? Uh, Roadside Monument, um, his band Unwed Sailor, uh, but he, he's just mm-hmm. a really creative bass player. So there's something about the way the, the bass kind of drives some of those like melodically, which is really cool.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think track by track, like, I don't know, Every pretty much every track on there just feels, it, it feels like it's sort of a balance about 50-50 between sort of more fictional writing and more kind of confessional writing, um, but it all, sure. feels, it all feels really relatable, so I think, like, you know, that song, the second track, The Longer I Lay Here, it's just like, it just feels like, it's just what it feels like to be just, like, lazy and sort of, like indolent and like you know you know when you just feel like ah like why is why is everything so crappy like it just just has that it just has that I don't know there's so much of the feel like I don't even even though lyrically I think it's really good so much of the feel of that album it just feels like It just feel it felt like my feelings at that time you know what I mean like it just feels like being a a young dude who's like confused and trying to figure it out I don't know
0: yeah and you know how you mentioned how a lot of it is um really kind of Fictional. I, I love that. So I, this is a hill I will stand on. I don't know if you listen to country music. I do kind of here and there. Um, But yeah, I, that's how most people are. But I, I stand by the fact that the best country music has stories within it. And this is one of those bands that outside of country music does the best at that. So, you know, like big trucks, I've always loved big trucks because um, I, I could always just really relate to just not understanding what the heck is my dad talking about why why can't he just understand you need to like beat this dude up cuz he disrespected you you know push you around like that you should have beat him down down to the ground down to the ground for that he said son you're still young and you always jump the I just have always loved that song. Um, you are right, and
1: Big Trucks is for sure a country song. I don't know why I didn't even it definitely, I mean, it's called Big Trucks. That's amazing. No, but yeah, just but he takes these little snippets, right? And later he did the the more sprawling kind of concept albums, which I don't know, you know, I think sure. I think those work okay for for what they are. I think they can be a little it can be a little harder to as an entry point, it can be a little harder to get into those. But sure. I think it, just a little snippet, right? Like big trucks is such a, it's just a moment, right? Like a dad and a son just like driving mm-hmm. down the highway. Um, but just there's something that comes out of that that's just really universal. Or the what's the one of minor prophets and their prostitute wives, which is right. uh, a Bible story, right? Um,
0: yes. Yeah. But it
1: also becomes really, um, really relatable, right? It's this sense of like, you know, just infidelity and forgiveness. And it's just, it's just like any, you know, Modern day story, too, so
0: absolutely, yeah, um, and as far as like the bass playing, you know i I nearly so i sometimes will troll people on twitter i'm the dude who's always on twitter talking to folks and everything and somebody said there's no christian band out there that has great bass players and i nearly sent them um (laughs) this because like uh when they really get to know you they will run i i feel like that like you said the lead with the bass i really feel like that does because um i feel like the guitars are much more complimentary in that song and It's also a really fun song, just kind of picking apart the whole um, modesty, or you know, almost the the way people look at you know women and how they should look, but men. It's like, eh, whatever, no yeah. big deal. And
1: sorry, I think what's so cool about that song is, I think not to jump ahead too much, but so you know, he he stopped Peter the Lion in what uh, the early two thousands, and then brought it back a couple of years ago. But w- one of the things he said is either an interview or a show, because I sorry, not to again. Uh, name drop, but I did go did go see him in Vancouver a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, he said, you know, I've uh, I've kind of been talking about toxic masculinity long before it was a cultural thing, right? Like at this, you know, and and I think people would say, oh, well, surely evangelical culture is full of that kind of machismo or misogyny. And what I, what I think is really great about something like this is it gives another like to be a 19 year old man and to be Listening to this kind of sarcastic song about like, listen, this is not like, this is what women are going through and we're putting them through this. Right. Maybe we need to rethink That's That's pretty powerful. Like, um, and it is cool to have something like that be part of your consciousness at that age.
0: Oh, absolutely. He he was well ahead of the curve compared to me. On that. <laughs> also, you know, "Bad Diary Days." That's I think one of their like top hits. And I I think aside from the song "Options," that was one of the first ones I heard was "Bad Diary Days." You know that that's just also a fun. Well, not fun. That's a really no, sad I was gonna song.
1: There's so many. Um, all his best songs are about infidelity, which I don't know what that what that says. But right, um, he very has a way
0: sobering. Of, yeah. Yeah
1: he has a way of writing about it and yeah. And just delivering it. That really, I think sobering is the right word for it. That the part in that song of bad dryer diary days, where it just drops down to voice and guitar. Um, you know, she said mm-hmm. she could explain, she said it would not happen again. Uh, just very. And then of course, when the music comes back in, comes back in with that, uh, those, uh, octaves where he's just strumming super hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, there's something, about, something about the way the, the lyric and the, the delivery mesh together for him is just really powerful she swore that it would not happen
0: again and she swore that she could explain we both knew I think one of the things that I think it took me a little bit longer to really just get super enraptured with them is it is kind of simple instrumentation. It's not anything intricate. It's you will not mistake this for like a progressive rock album or anything like that. It it very, very much is like a simple indie rock type of album, but again, just the way in which it's used. And I'm, I'm thinking about exactly what you're talking about that. I mean, it just really, he, the way he uses everything together. I don't know if he's just trying to make us all cry when listening to his music, but he's doing a pretty good job. At <laughs> absolutely. Um, Cause yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great song.
1: There's something um, about.
0: Really the, sad when song. He,
1: yeah. I was going to say there's something about when he cuts loose like that because the music is so kind of understated. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about what, um, who's the band that does bad Christian podcast or, oh, Emery, um, Emery. they talked about how the very first EP, Pedro EP, the whole EP, there's a song called almost there, which is kind of just a, a very like subdued indie rock song, but there's this portion where he screams the chorus in it. And the guy from that band, Emery, he's like, that's the first time I ever knew you could scream in a song. And he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have started this, you know, I wouldn't, our band wouldn't sound the way it does without that, just that one part of that song. So there's something about that dynamic, you know, you can say, talk about loud, quiet, loud with like Nirvana or the Pixies or whatever, but it's, right. it's, when it happens so rarely like that with a band like Peter the Lion, it's like mm-hmm. the payoff is worth it. I think too, about the buildup on, um, um, why well, have I forgotten the name of the song? It's like their most powerful song that we were talking about. Oh, secret of the easy yoke the yep. the the build up of the instrumental section at the end of that. And just the drums are very simple, but they get louder and louder and the guitars get louder and louder. And it it builds up the emotion of of this. And that's why like at the Crocodile Cafe, I remember seeing uh whenever it was, that show and just feeling that build and build and build. And I just started like I was probably twenty years old. I just started like sobbing. Like I was so <laughs> overcome by it. Because it starts with, you know, this this lyric, Peace be still, right? And it's like if there's any answer to the problem, which I know it doesn't often, always feel like an answer, but yeah. that is presented in the, in that song as kind of like the response to all the questions. Yeah. And then the music builds that up into this thing that's like, I, for me at least, and I'm sure he would say it, see it differently, especially now, but. For me, at least, it's that feeling of being enveloped by something bigger than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And the music—God, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But the music—the music does that to you, right? You—you—you you, you have this sense of being surrounded by about participating in something bigger than you. Right. Um, and I, you know, it's—it's. It's, I keep jumping ahead, but I think it's hard. It's hard not to talk about Pedro without talking about kind of the later trajectory. Um, one of the things that's was I think is hard for a lot of fans. Of that band or just like a lot of christian rock to reckon with is um he doesn't play that song anymore right and he said he Mm -hmm. can't because it doesn't it feels dishonest to him um because as if you know your listeners may know or may not if you never heard you're just hearing two guys talk about a band you never heard of um uh he later in life sort of uh walked away from his faith um and sort of decided he you know he no longer basically subscribed to you know, the beliefs that he said in that song. So um, that was, I think for a lot of fans, like, I don't know what your experience was, but sort of a gut punch to like, to hear that from this guy Mm -hmm. who, um, like a lot of us really looked up to in that regard. So, yeah.
0: And yeah, I I remember I found a, uh, this was a couple years ago, found a live version of him doing it. And before he sings it, he's like, you know, there's sometimes songs that, you don't believe anymore that you still just got to play. Like you could tell it it was painful for him to sing, you know, and it was just, I think that added to the emotion of it. And I think I remember even like Law Dispute mentioning something like that with, I think it was with the song Andrea, where they're like, this was singing emotions that I no longer have anymore. And it's like, well, okay, I get that. And uh, because art is so personal, even as a fan and just kind of, you know, thinking about, the lives of those artists and how that influences how they make art, how they perform art. As a fan, we selfishly want what we want. We we don't want you to break up. We don't want you to quit playing this song that we love. But understanding again, just seeing, you know, where he's going with walking away from his faith. Absolutely, like I sympathize with that. I, you know, and if, if I was in that spot, it would be it would be tough. Absolutely. Yeah, and assume. I
1: think yeah, I was gonna say I I remember a similar video. I don't know if it's the same one where he says either before or after it, he sort of says, I don't, I don't, I think this is the last time, like, I don't think I'm ever going to play it again after this. Oh, wow. um, and I, I wrote a piece and I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this piece. I, it, it was coming from a heartfelt place. Um, so I wrote a piece uh, around the time that he, right before he put out um, Curse Your Branches, which was his first big solo record, which talked right. a lot about the struggles with faith kind of from the other side, as it were. Um, and I wrote this piece kind of talking about how, like, man, it feel, it's hard when this happens, like as a fan, you, you feel, you feel this personal connection in some way to an artist. And then when they diverge in that way, it's kind of painful. Um, and I was trying to just kind of write from a personal perspective, like, Hey, this is what it feels like, um, a, the Pedrothelion.org message board, uh, like started posting a lot about it. A friend of mine told me about it, who was on there. And it was quite, uh, they were quite critical of me saying that, (laughs) like, they were sort of saying like, Oh, who does this guy think he is you know sort of like um why are christians so close-minded you know wanting everybody to like mm-hmm. stay on their team or whatever and like you know i didn't think that was the vibe i was giving in the piece but um Bazan himself too came on there and was like a little bit critical also and i was like uh. and that's that's one of the first things that made me aware of like i mean i want to be honest as a writer like about my reaction to something or whatever but these are also real people that I'm writing about. And I, I don't think I said anything, right. I don't think I said anything super critical about him as a person. And I, if I did, it wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is uh, somebody whose music you grow to love that because it's so personal, you start feeling like you have this sort of connection with them. And I, I don't know how healthy that is. Like, and, and the more it comes out into the real, the real world, you know, I've met a handful of my favorite musicians like in my career as a music journalist. Uh, it doesn't usually go that great. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's this, this, this feeling that like, they're going to be your friend somehow, or like, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna tell you like, oh, you're the one who, you're the one who understands me, you know, that, that doesn't actually happen. It has, it has happened one or two times and that it's, it's been extremely gratifying. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, that, when I wrote that piece, I was like, yeah, we got to remember like, this is just a guy going through this and I'm very grateful. I mean, he's made some gorgeous music out of it. Um. But it's 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 uh it's also his kind of his thing to deal with, too. I don't know to what extent I even should be weighing in on it. So,
0: yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because especially with because this was, you know, very much in that first phase of, you know, emo and everything. And there was kind of a phase when I was in college where there's a lot of these like like post hardcore bands trying really hard to do that whole i'm gonna be friends with my fans and tell them everything is gonna be okay which was cool on one point but i think it set people up with some expectations for exactly what you were talking about where it's like every band's gonna be like that but even then i don't know if those bands are still like that uh you know i think like memphis mayfire was one band that was really well known for doing that or um the color morale. I mean, just these random bands that again, I, I haven't followed for a minute, but I remember they were big on the whole hope and like, let's share hope with our fans. And um, I think that's different than what was maybe going on then. Cause you know, especially it was them processing their emotions and um, yeah. It, and you know, even like, I, I think I posted maybe about a year ago, well before this, that like my favorite version of Be Thou My Vision, which is one of my favorite hymns, is by Pedro the Lion. Um, the, just the simplicity of it is really beautiful. And even just knowing that my favorite version of a hymn is from someone who, you know, struggle with their faith, it... it that's painful because it's like, as a person, I care for him. You know, um, I I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never even interacted with him on uh, social media, but it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, okay, that's cool, but dang. All right. And I think it's just, especially for emo kids, it's really hard, really easy to get mixed up in. Well, you explain my emotions so well. I know you. Totally. And they're just explaining their emotions. Exactly. And that's, it's hard to,
1: it must be hard to be, especially if you came through the Christian scene, there was a built-in system where uh, either unspoken or occasionally spoken where youth pastors or people would be like, yeah, you should look to these people for spiritual guidance. Like um, there was, we were almost encouraged to do that, um, to see, you know, music is a ministry Mm -hmm. and you should see, and that is pretty harmful for everyone actually. Like, I think it's
0: I agree quite bad
1: for the artists. It must be—it's an enormous amount of pressure that mm-hmm. most of them did not want. They did—they actually did not see themselves that way, at least in the, the bands that I sure. kind of grew up with. Uh, and it's—it's it's pretty messed up for the the kids too, because like they should be trying to form relationships with people who can actually mentor them in their real lives and can be models of their, you know, I don't know. So yeah, like I feel for uh, right. I feel for
0: all these what- all these bands right was was Pedro like you know because I think it was after um what album was it that it was after where they broke up you know I I wasn't sure was he cancelled in the same way that bands like you know switchfoot were for like
1: you know Ooh. switchfoot
0: went to a a, a you know a,
1: major brand label
0: and they're like oh no you you're not a christian band you can't listen to these guys anymore you know i I think again i was a little bit younger and so i i have no idea
1: i would put them in although although those bands don't have a lot in common i would put them in that same category of for sure there were message boards so control that which is the third pedro album which is a concept album more or less about sort of infidelity and murder and things like that actually i guess i guess both winners never quit and control are both kind of about those things um in some ways but um there were for sure it message boards like those before social media It was just message boards people would be like uh guys like what's going on with pedro the lion i'm not sure they this is christian um he said he seems to say divorce is a good option which of course <laughs> if you know that song um it's very sarcastic right it's meant to it's mm. meant to show kind of the shallowness of someone who's who is looking for a way out of their, their marriage. I could never... They, for sure, right. I don't like cancel culture probably wasn't a thing yet in that way, but um <laughs> there was a lot for sure there was a lot of debate about that and the lyrics on control um which is uh you know it's a very heavy uh it's a very heavy album, but you know there's some swearing on it and there's definitely some very frank depictions of uh extramarital sex uh so yeah it was it definitely and that was probably where if you look at kind of the way that um Kind of journalists talk about their trajectory and how Bazan himself has talked about it in interviews. That was a little bit of where it started to be like, okay, this we can't do this anymore. We can't stay in this. This isn't where we belong anymore. I think he talked sure. about being at the Cornerstone Festival for that album and just a lot of fans talking back at him. He was he talks about becoming an alcoholic around that time. He's like drinking whiskey out of a milk jug at that at that show. Um, so I think that was where a lot of stuff. Started to yeah, people like it's interesting how and again I don't wish to talk about his personal life, but you know he's been very honest about it. It was like a a parallel of like people being like, well, gatekeeping for the Christian scene, like you don't belong here, right? And then him also being on this other journey of like, I don't, yeah, maybe this this whole thing isn't for me, um, which is interesting. So yeah,
0: yeah, and I think options was you know again one of the first ones I'd listened to, and I was like, what is this you know why is he talking about divorce and you know i i will often listen to pedro just kind of walking around when it's quiet my kids are in bed doing you know whatever and i'm just always (laughs) worried that somebody's gonna overhear me and be like why are you talking about divorcing someone like i'm worried my wife's gonna hear me and just be like what are you singing uh what is this and i i think that's one of those things where talking about hard hard things is something that was not looked at positively within the Christian music scene. It was all supposed to be very hope driven, very, just very positive, which, you know, even if you listen to it now, which I refuse to um, Christian radio, that's kind of their, their focal point is we're going to be positive and uplifting where songs like that really weren't, positive in the way you're looking for but they really did help you think through very complex things and yeah um, I I appreciate about that about them for sure
1: absolutely that record in particular I think um not only does it grapple with those the you know the uh sort of marriage and infidelity and and um and that kind of morality but it's also that it's tied up with and as winners never quit was I I haven't spent as much time with Winners Never Quit. I see those two records as quite similar in some ways in terms of the themes they touch on. Um, it's yeah. also about kind of larger structural social problems, right? It's about um, mm-hmm. corporate domination. Um, it's a it, it starts to get a little bit political. It was it, it was sort of a post 9-11 record in some ways. I think he recorded the song Backwoods Nation for that album. I don't know if you've heard that song. Um, it was I'm trying
0: to remember. I probably it have.
1: A, it was on a compilation. Uh, I think Jade Tree Records was the label at that time. So it was on a Jade Tree compilation yeah. and then later he put it out on his first solo EP. But it is a it is a it's probably best that he left it off control because it is so bluntly political. Um, it is basically a just it the way that options is sarcastic about sort of marriage and fidelity. Um, Backwoods Nation is sarcastic about patriotism and war. Um, and mm. so it's sort of a really, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's very pointed. Like I will not quote the lyrics because they're so, uh, they're, they're very blunt, um, uh, mm. but it's basically saying like, uh, it's, it's almost sung in the voice of like a U.S. government official saying like, all right, come join, come join the war. We need you to go. We need you to go kill these guys. Um. Uh, in a, just in a really, I mean, it's, it's quite a brutal song. Yeah. I almost feel uncomfortable talking about mm. it. Um, but he, you know, <laughs> it's sort of, this, it's this, it's this frustration about, and it actually connects a lot of themes that he wrote about. It's this connection of kind of toxic masculinity, war, political greed, um, uh, you know, people or profits over people. It all comes together in just this very angry song, um. And again like for a you know how old was i when i heard that record i was 22 um something like that and for like a young young evangelical trying to sort out what the world is like that that stuff was not what you had heard in your church or your um youth group or your even your i went to a christian right. college to some extent that's we mm-hmm. forced ideas there but like the notion that like um uh, like maybe america's not the greatest like maybe we ha- maybe things are bad here in some ways uh which that <laughs> certainly has come home to roost lately uh so yeah i don't know it's just uh, it, in so many ways um uh, and i not to get political like I, you know whatever i i, I just 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 sure. to hear just to hear the flip side of what you might have heard growing up um like hey maybe we have some things maybe our culture has some things to answer for um you know
0: Right. Well, and I think it's and before we got on, I read a tweet where some dude was talking about, oh, it's actually on my screen right here. Or he's talking about, you know, writing a screenplay for stories that challenge what you believe uh, makes for really good art, which I mean, it's obviously music, not a screenplay, but I feel like being able to listen to some of the stat- that stuff, not. Endorse it, but maybe just listen to what is the artist saying. Um, can be helpful, and you know, I think all throughout his stuff. Where again, you know, a secret of the easy yoke. It's <laughs> just to kind of skip back to that. I think that's one of those songs that had it been on my radar, might have troubled me as a younger Christian. Where I'm like, well, why is he questioning this stuff? You're not supposed to question it. Uh, but it is, again, kind of pulling at those tensions, pulling at those threads and being honest within your art, um, which obviously he does very well with. And uh, I, I agree, you know, he's very open and honest about a lot of things within like social media. Um, well, and, and I, and I think, you know, for good art
1: <laughs> and he's always been that way. Right. At, at Pedro shows, one of the one right. of the, the main features always uh, uh, was uh, he would about halfway through the show, he'd go, "Does anybody have any questions?" Um, and just and before the, the right. living, before the living room show, uh, house shows was a thing, uh, and it was just cool. And people and it would people would just talk through like whatever was going on, like in his music or you know. I remember one show I went to, somebody from the back of the room, and this is probably around the time of control. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody yelled out. It was just quiet for a minute, and somebody goes, "Are you saved?" and everyone's like oh no what's going to happen here and he just paused for a minute and he just looked up and he goes from what <laughs> which i thought was really <laughs> really interesting right like it was just he's just as, as again i you know i'm very i'm very aware of like the artists that we that we love are human beings they're people and i've right. just appreciated that about him so much through his whole through his whole career he's always been a very open honest person i don't know if that's made it hard him to do what he does because everything's out there um, that that uh, but I I can't help but admire it and appreciate it for um, the gift that it's been as somebody who who um, who resonates with that kind of stuff so
0: absolutely yeah I had no idea he did that before until I think it was a few months ago I was watching um, a live live set where they did it cornerstone I think in like 01 or something and right in the middle of the set like you said, They've got people like from this big crowd asking questions i'm like what is happening and i i don't know did that inspire like the living room shows that type of thing or i wonder it's just very-
1: it seems to me it's just all of a piece i mean part of that um that model i think is just from musicians looking for a way to um more directly connect with fans and make the economic mm-hmm. thing make more sense because if you don't have True. if you don't have to pay a crew if you don't have to you know if you don't have over you have very little overhead so you can sell 20 tickets for 20 bucks each and pocket most of it, right? So, um, mm-hmm. in some ways, but I, I, I mean, who? Uh, I can't think of almost a better. He already, he already had that that relationship with his fans, whether it was through his music or mm-hmm. through that. That. So I think it's just, it's just the perfect fit for him.
0: No. Absolutely. Although it must be hard, Absolutely. and it must have
1: gotten, it must have gotten harder for him over the years. I don't envy. Right. I haven't seen the documentary Strange Negotiations yet. I'm looking forward to watching it, but the clips that I have seen are just some of it seems quite confrontational just people and that's
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: a lot of us go through that like it's it's like uh, thankfully I I never did it to anybody's face, but I think when I was a teenager like I think there are people who would be like, "Yeah, what's what's going on? Like you need to why are you why are you being like this? You need to get your act together." Like uh, that's I don't do not envy him that at all, man. That's ugh.
0: Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, were there any other thoughts you had on like certain songs or themes, things that we didn't cover that maybe there's a song that just sticks out to you that you'd love to discuss? Well,
1: I I want to just mention one thing, which is that so um, he did a solo career for a while, and then he brought Pedro the Lion back a couple of years ago, um, and that wow. album, which is called Phoenix, um, is uh, one of the things I thought was so cool about that is it feels like a prequel to the early Pedro the Lion records which I think is a really interesting thing to do like much later in your career. Um, and he's talked about, I think I've seen a few things in interviews where he's talked about a lot of it came out of him going through kind of like counseling and therapy and trying to understand his own upbringing and kind of speak back to like, uh, why did I kind of like turn out the way I did? Like, what are some things that I can dig Mm -hmm. into earlier? And he has, and I I forget the songs now, but there's a couple of songs on there that directly reference Pedro the Lion, like older Pedro the Lion songs. I think, um, Mm -hmm. Circle K has the line, all the while the yep. good Lord smiled, right? He re- calls back to that. Um, and there's a couple other things that just, um, I, I, I found it really uh, cool and satisfying to hear him um, address that in a way that's not, um, I think for a lot of people, they would look back at, at, at the time of their upbringing if they've, say, like him, like walked away from that faith and look at it in a kind of an angry or sarcastic way. But he, he really looks at it with tenderness. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's, that's really, um, it's really beautiful. It's really, um, I, I, I admire that record a lot. I think it's, it sounds really good and I think it's, it's cool how thematically, even though it's been years since he made a Pedro record, thematically, mm-hmm. it, it really fits with those first few records.
0: So I just on a his lyrics. Cause I was living in Arizona. Um, oh, wow. I, maybe I no, I had just moved from Arizona when this came out. And so I remember listening to, yeah. So we'd been in Texas for a couple months and I remember this coming out and a lot of the different things, like as far as almost mental images reminded me of being back there and just, um, it, it you know, song circle k i really enjoy that one uh even like yellow bike is also another really good one um th- yeah it's definitely it's got a lot of those same feels as his older records but totally. um i had never thought of it that way where it is you know kind of interacting with that older stuff so absolutely, awesome. yeah no that was that's an enjoyable record for sure Yeah, cool cool yeah i think that's That's it for me. That's all I got. All right. That's cool, man. That's all right. Well, I I appreciate you taking your time, and you seem to know way more about Pedro than I do, so I'm really happy that I was able to have you on.
1: Thank you so much. I'm never tired of talking
0: about this stuff. Thanks for listening to the Dangers of Christian Rock podcast or something like that. Hey, we hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, Hey, hit us up on social. Uh, We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. Um, You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash danger XTN rock and on Twitter at the same danger XTN rock. Hey, if you think that we roasted your favorite band and we're wrong, please let us know. Uh, if you have suggestions for future bands to color, we'd also like to know. And if you've got a really cool story about a band, we also want to know, we want to talk to you. We want to hear, we want to
1: connect. Thanks for listening.